You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. Just before we start, I know Dusty, uh, in his message last week, um, deny your selfie, which I thought was pretty funny. Dusty's awesome at coming up with titles for his messages, but... uh, um, I did notice when I listened to it this week that, that Dusty made a, a comment about where I might have been last Sunday uh, at the Braves game. And I was just thinking this morning that I'm not sure going to another church is really any better than me going to the Braves game. So, so that might be in the podcast or it might not. Just to see how I feel. Um, we're going to be in John uh, 21 um, most of the time today, um, but it's probably going to take us a little while to get there. Um, have you ever um, hurt someone or or offended someone so badly? Someone that you love um, that you just didn't know if they would ever forgive you. Or maybe you didn't know if they even could forgive you. You know, where it it seemed like everything in life had just been paused until this gets resolved. That you, you, you can't seem to go past it. Where this person that you're in relationship with, everything becomes so awkward when you're around each other because, because there's, there's an elephant in the room and you're the elephant. And you're just waiting. You know, you can't breathe. You're just hoping that the next thing that they say is going to be the beginning of restoration. I had an experience like that with Jackie a few years ago where where because of of sin, because of moral failure, uh, because of addiction, I hurt her deeply. And for days and weeks, all I wanted was a sign, just a signal that everything was going to be okay. That, 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 that she was committed to us in spite of me. Now, now imagine, you know, I, it happened to me with my wife. Maybe with you it was a parent or a child or a sibling or just a really close friend. But imagine if the person that you offended so greatly, the person that that you, we'll say hurt, was God. If, If it was God that you felt awkward around, 
because you weren't sure how this was going to end. See, Peter in John 21 has that experience with Jesus where he he doesn't know how things are going to end. Peter's Peter's journey with Jesus was unusual even even by the standards of the apostles. In John 1 uh, verses 40 to 42 says just kind of lead into this um, John had heard about Jesus had heard Jesus teach and a couple of his disciples one of whom was Andrew which was Simon's brother who's Peter um, had also heard him and and it picks up at, at verse 40 it says one of the two which heard John speak concerning Jesus and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him we have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ and he brought him to Jesus and when Jesus beheld him he said thou art Simon the son of Jonah called him by his full name that, you know, it, it, that had to be awkward in itself. At their first introduction, Jesus says, I know that you're Simon, son of Jonah, which would have been his identity. He says, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. Now, Cephas was, was Greek. Uh, in Latin, his name's Peter. That's, that's who he was. It, as soon as Jesus met him, he gave him a new identity. I mean, just immediately, I'm going to call you Cephas from now on. That's going to be your name. And, and Peter's, Peter struggled to live up to that name. He, I, I believe it's in Matthew. Uh, Jesus asked the disciples, who do, you, who do others say that I am? And they said, some say that, that you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. And he says, but who do you say I am? And Peter speaks up, says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus tells him, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because God gave that to you. God revealed that to you. And, and, and Peter is probably thinking, yeah. But like three verses later, Jesus singles out Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's Peter's life was just a lot of ebbs and flows. He was very passionate. He was very impulsive. Um, and he struggled to be a stone. He struggled to be a rock. He struggled to live up to the name that Jesus had given him. In Luke chapter 22... Uh, 31 through 34. This is just before Jesus would be arrested. It says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, 
that thy faith may fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So here Jesus is telling Peter, Simon, that that Satan has asked to sift you, Peter. He he has asked to trouble you. He has asked to to attempt to trip you up. But Jesus says, but I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fall, wouldn't fail. And that when you're converted or when you repent, you're going to strengthen the brothers. Peter replies to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. So again, Peter, impulsive Peter, Jesus, the Son of God, says, says Satan is going to trouble you, and, and you're almost going to fall, Peter, but I've prayed for you that you wouldn't. Peter says, I'm ready. I'll, I'll go wherever. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So we don't know exactly what time it is, but it's sometime after midnight. And Jesus is telling Peter, hey, the next three, four, five hours for you are going to be pretty bad. It's, it's going to be a, a low of lows in your life. It says the cock shall not crow today before you're going to deny me three times. So a little later, they go out to the garden. They come to arrest Jesus, and, and impulsive Peter whips out a sword. Now, now it, it tells us that there were two swords there, but Peter was the only one who used his. Peter whips his sword out and is probably trying to cut the head off of Malchus, one of the servants, and ends up just cutting off his ear. And so it's, you know, I, I just kind of can see Peter thinking, no, Lord, I told you I'm ready to die. You know, I, Peter's going out in a blaze of glory, thinking this is the moment. This is the time. And Jesus just tells him, put your sword away. Let me put this ear back on and let's get back to God's plan, doing things the way God intends. So in Luke 22, a little further down, we see where where Jesus is led away. All the disciples scatter except for John and Peter. They follow along behind Jesus. And the Bible says that John was known to, um, to the high priest. So he was able to enter into the court And John speaks to the servant girl who is guarding the door. And Peter walks up so that, you know, he can come in. We we have to assume that John told her, hey, he's with me. So the servant girl asks him, are you also one of Jesus' disciples? This is Peter who, who moments ago had a sword in his hand and was ready to die for and perhaps with Jesus to a servant girl who was just told Peter's with me you can let him in no I'm not I'm not one of his disciples obviously you're one of his disciples no it's not me 
So a few minutes later, they're standing around a fire. It's, it says it's the officers and uh, some of the guards and other servants. And one of them recognizes P- Peter's voice, his, his, uh, his dialect, that he's a Galilean. And says, uh, you know, you're from Galilee. Are you one of his disciples? Peter's like, no. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not one of his disciples. And, and then God just kind of does what God can only do. Somebody standing around the fire says, you know, my cousin, Malchus, got his ear chopped off just a few minutes ago. And didn't I see you in the garden? Well, I mean, obviously, Peter, hey, you were there. I mean, this guy, we have a witness and the Bible says that, that Peter kind of went crazy. Said a lot, of, a lot of things that he would probably regret and um, denied Jesus the third time. In Luke 22, verse 60, this is when Peter replied to the third man. He says, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. See, I, I think it, was, it would have been bad enough if Peter knew that Peter had denied Jesus. It would have, he would have been filled with guilt and regret. But when Jesus turned and looked at him, and Peter knew that Jesus knew, he couldn't pretend anymore. Couldn't deny it, couldn't minimize it. I, you know, I was thinking this morning that, that much the same way with Jackie. That once I knew, it was bad enough for me to know my unfaithfulness. But to know that she knew was so much worse. That, that I couldn't pretend anymore. I had to be honest. So now Jesus knows and Peter knows that Jesus knows. And it says that Peter just runs away weeping. So I I want you to get where Peter's at. Peter is in a a bad place. And as somebody personally who has very high highs and very low lows, I can imagine what, I think I can imagine what Peter was feeling. And then Jesus dies. There is no restoration. There's no resolution. Peter is just broken. And he knows that the last thing that this man that I declared was the son of God, that I walked with all this time, the last thing that he knows that I did and that I know that I did was to deny him just like he said I would. So that's Friday morning. Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene comes 
comes running up to John and Peter. Says, hey, I went to the tomb. The stone was rolled away. The body's gone. I don't know where he's at. So John and Peter take off to go to the tomb. And it says that, uh, that, that, that John was a little faster than Peter. I'm sure they think Peter was the oldest. So I can attest to the fact that when you get older, you run slower. So John probably got there first. But it says that John didn't go inside. That he just looked. He looked in and he saw the, 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 the grave clothes laying there like they would be if there was a body there. But there was no body. So then Jesus, or then Peter comes up, runs inside, sees the same thing. And John comes in behind him. And then it says something interesting. It says that John saw and believed. But not Peter. I think Peter was in such a low place that, that he... Even knowing that Jesus said he was going to die and, and, and be resurrected, that he just, he couldn't believe it. So that evening, the disciples are all gathered together, except for Thomas. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in. He's just there. Says the door was locked, but suddenly Jesus is in the room with him. And, and and I kind of wonder what Peter was feeling then. If he was happy that Jesus was there, or if he was worried at what Jesus was going to say. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Remember what you did? But there's no word for Peter. Jesus leaves. Eight days later, they're all back together again with Thomas. And, and, you know, they've told Thomas, hey, you know, we saw Jesus. He's alive. He, Thomas says, no, until I see him, I'm not going to believe it. And so Jesus shows up and, and almost for Thomas. Hey, Thomas, look, it's me, you know, see, touch. It's me, Thomas. And again, there's no word for Peter. It's, it's that awkward space when Peter knows that he did something that he shouldn't have done, that he regrets, but Jesus, won't you say something? Can we address this, please? But there's no word for him. So then in John chapter 21... They go fishing. It's Peter, Peter's decision. He was a fisherman. He says, I'm going to go fishing, guys. And, and six of the disciples go with him. They're in the boat. They go out at night. They're fishing all night. They don't catch a thing. And as they're coming back towards the shore... There's this man standing on the beach, and he calls out to him, and he says, Hey, children, have you any meat? Did you catch anything? And somebody says, No, we didn't catch anything. 
And this man says, well, if you'll cast your nets on the right side of the boat, you'll catch some fish. And I just believe that it just had to be the Spirit of God compelled them to obey this man. I'm sure they were tired. They hadn't caught anything. But they let the net down. They catch a huge bunch of fish. And and John, who's younger, whose eyesight is probably a little better, says, Peter, that's Jesus. That's Jesus, Peter. And Peter... You know, old people do weird stuff sometimes. But it says in there that, that Peter was fishing naked. But he throws his clothes on and he dives into the water. And, and I don't know. This is me trying to, to feel what Peter felt. I think that Peter was so desperate for a personal word with Jesus that he was going to do whatever it was going to take to get a presence with him. So that so Jesus, you, you have to talk to me. We we have to deal with this, Jesus. I'm sorry. He dives into the water and starts swimming. And the way the text reads, I almost think that the guys got there in the boat faster. I it it, it they get to the beach and they're all there. And and Jesus rather than having a word for Peter, wants to eat breakfast. So Peter's done everything he could do. He was in all the right places. He was, he was sorrow, sorrowful. He, was, he, he went to Jesus, and there's still no word. There's still this elephant in the room. Until they finish breakfast. I have all these numbered and none of them are right. Um, A couple of things before we talk about their conversation. Uh, John chapter 2. I just want to make sure we, we all understand when... When Jesus questions Peter, it's not because Jesus doesn't know the answer. He questions Peter for Peter's benefit, for for Peter's good. In John chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He he wasn't asking Peter these questions because he didn't know. He knew the answers, but he wanted Peter to know the answers. He wanted Peter to consider this. The second thing that that I would point out, and this is in John uh, 21.20. This is actually after their conversation. It says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. So, So they've had breakfast, and at some point, Jesus 
and Peter take a walk. They're walking off from the group. At one point, Peter looks back over his shoulder and sees that John's following along behind him. But Peter is finally getting his word. He's finally getting this addressed. So beginning, uh, John 21, beginning at verse 15, says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than these? Three times in the next three verses, he calls him Simon, son of Jonas. This name that he told him he no longer was when he, the day he met him. And I think Jesus was offering Peter a choice. That you can be a fisherman, you can be that person, but that's not who you are, Peter. That's who you're acting like, but it's not who you are. Jesus asks him, do you love me? Peter replies, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus uses a word, agape, which is, is it's a choice. It's a, it's a chosen love. It's a fully committed love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's, a, it's just a more supreme love. It says, Peter, do you love me? Are you committed to me? Are you sacrificing for me in a, in a supreme way more than these? And Peter replies with a word that's uh, in the Greek, it's philio, which is more of like an affection, like a brotherly love. It's, it's kind of like if, if you were in elementary school, let's say, or middle school, or maybe some of you adults do this, but you write down on a piece of paper, do you love me? Yes or no. And you hand it to the girl or the boy. And they give it back to you and there's a third one written in and checked off that says, I like you a lot. That's, that's kind of what Peter is like. Do you love me, Peter? Well, I like you a lot, Jesus. I, I, I love you, but Peter knows that he's, that he's failed. Peter is, is, is talking to Jesus from a low place. But I, I love that Jesus doesn't stop there with that first question. He says, do you love me more than these? Sometimes the Bible is very frustrating in how vague some things are. You know, it tells us that Jesus bent down and wrote something in the sand, but it won't tell us what he wrote. I can see Jesus and Peter walking along the beach, and if we could see Jesus' hands, maybe we would know what these were. Is he saying, Peter or, or Simon, do you love me more than these fish? Or maybe it's Simon do you love me more than these other disciples who are following us? Or, or maybe it's Simon, do you love me more than these disciples love me? We, we don't know 
exactly what he was saying. But I love that it gets it gets intentional. It's it, it'd be one thing if Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more? Well, yeah, I love you more. But do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this thing? Whatever the thing is in your mind that you love the most. Do you love me more than that? It, to me, it's, it's very public. You know, we can look at each other's lives and see what we love. And Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these? Those, those things. You see, God is infinite. And he can love everybody to the fullest extent all the time. But we're not. We, we're finite. We have a certain amount of love, a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of time. And, and if we're fully committed to one thing, then we don't have anything else to give anything else. And if we're only partially committed to one thing, or rather, if, if we're committed to anything else, we can't be fully com- committed to that thing. We're finite. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Again, he asked Peter, getting a little more personal this time. Do you love me? Using the same word, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies again, I like you a lot. He's not talking about anything else anymore. He's just talking to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me, Peter? Are you committed to me? Are you wholly committed to me? Same answer. And then Jesus gets a little sharper where the first was more public, the second's more personal. I think the third question is more piercing. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you really even like me a lot? He uses Peter's word. He's like, okay, Peter. I'm going to ask you a third time, but I'm I'm going to define love by what you just said. Do you love Do you like me a lot? And the Bible says that Peter was grieved at the third question. Because, see, God wants to get inside. He doesn't want you to just say that you love him. He doesn't want you to just say that you love him more than these other things. He wants you to know that you love him. Because in Peter's life, he, was, he, he had a hard road to walk. He was going to live another 30 years, and Jesus is about to tell him that, hey, Peter, they're going to crucify you like they crucified me. If you don't know that you love me, if just as Dusty spoke about passion this morning, Peter, if, if, if I'm not supreme, you're not going to be able to walk this walk. You need to know 
that you love me? All three questions, all three answers, Jesus closes out the question with a command. He says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, depending on which translation you're using. I don't think what he said necessarily is as important as our obedience. God may not say the same command to you. You have a different purpose than Peter had, but God still expects obedience. He, he, that's, that's the proof of our love. Are you even my friend, Peter? John chapter 5, or sorry, John chapter 15. Um, I just thought about this this morning, that as Peter is, is hearing this, it brought back to my mind the instruction that Jesus had, had given him right before he was arrested. John 15, verse 9, it says, and this was Jesus talking to his disciples beforehand. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Are you my friend, Peter? Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. I ordained you, Peter. You're not Simon, son of John. That ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Are you my friend, Peter? So, so what to do with this? I, I want to call your attention back to a verse that we just read and to one other. Uh, John 14, 15, we'll start there. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, 10 that we just read says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. So love and obedience kind of flow out of each other. If you love me, you'll obey me. And as you obey me, you'll abide in my love and love me more, and then you'll obey me more. And then you'll love me some more, and then you'll obey me some more, and you'll, you'll, you'll grow. You can't have one without the other love and obedience peter do you love me yes lord 
Feed my sheep. Obey me. Peter, do what I've called you to do, what I've asked you to do. And Christian, I believe that God is, is saying the same thing to us today. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then what? What is that thing that he's calling you to do? We are finite people. We only have so much time and money and love and passion, and we can only do so much. So what are we to do with a God who says, love me and obey me? I've just got two things. I know we're supposed to have three things because that seems like that's what you're supposed to do. But the first, and I'm just going to read them to you and then we'll talk about it for a second and then we'll close. The first thing is love less so that you can love more. Love less so that you can love more. And the second is do less so that you can obey more. You see, the the world wants us to love everything. And if you have a, a moment that you're not loving something, it wants to show you something new that you can love. Jackie was laughing at me a couple of weeks ago because I had recorded a soccer game. Never watched soccer in my life, but we're supposed to like soccer now. So I recorded it. And, but, but that's how, there's nothing wrong with soccer. It is kind of boring, but that's okay. Um, but there's nothing wrong with it. But that's what happens. We find something else to do, something else to do, something else to love. And then we we run out of love. I don't have any more to give. I, I, would, I would love you, but I can't. And Jesus is saying, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Are you really my friend? I would do that, but I don't have time. I'm doing other things. And Jesus says, do you love me more than those things? Do you love me? Are you my friend? Each one of us has a purpose in life that that God ordained, that God placed us here for. And my my hope and my prayer for you this morning as I was sharing, let me just say this. I was sharing with Dylan this morning. Sometimes it feels like this is really easy. I was like, it's kind of like digging a post, uh, uh, digging a hole. Sometimes you dig a hole and it's just easy. The ground's soft and it just comes right up and you move right along. Other times you dig a hole and it's just hard and there's rocks. And, and even though you're doing exactly the same thing that you always do, you just can't get the hole dug. And that's kind of what this has been like for me. And if I'm being honest with you, I think the reason that they're hard is because there's stuff inside of me that he's having to work out. And Doug, I need you to get this out of the way so that you can see what you're supposed to see. 
This has been this has been a hard word for me. Um and I just want to encourage you this morning to not don't waste your life. Peter ended up walking away from everything his past so that he could be what God called him to be. Peter didn't look like the same man after this conversation. Peter became really the leader of the church. Peter preached the first sermon. Peter, 1 Peter 1.1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was no longer Simon, son of Jonah. He wasn't even just Peter. He was Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was walking in his identity. He was being what God called him to be. And that meant that he had to let a lot of other stuff go. That was good stuff. But it wasn't God's stuff. Father, we just thank you this morning. Um, and I, I, I pray for my own heart. God, that we would, we would learn, that I would learn, God, how to love you supremely. God, that, that, that everything would flow out of that love for you, God. And that, that, that we would allow you to prune our lives of, of good things that hold us back from the best things. God, that we would we would have no regrets, Father, in this life. Uh, I, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this word. I, I do ask a special blessing on Dusty uh, as he speaks uh, to those college kids this morning. I know he's going to have an impact, and he's going to be a blessing to them. And uh, we just love you, God, and thank you so much. God, be with the Huff family throughout this day and the coming weeks, Father. Just bless them and encourage them. God, just love on them, God. And uh, we just thank you for everything that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen.